And then one day I began to find myself once again shrinking into the middle of the ball that was being created, and I became the vapor, and I rose through all that again and above it. And as I did, it said, no, no, feel sorry, feel sorry for yourself, feel sorry for them, feel sorry. And then as I got up above the vapors, they said, we're sorry. <laughs> and they began to melt. And I realized I want to remember to not go into a sense of sorrow, feeling sorry for myself or feeling sorry for the other people in the world, but to hold the loving for them, to hold the truth for them, that they might get it, that they might live it, that they might wake up into it and, and be that now, that they really are. And, and so that's been a growing process for me all these years of that. So as I began to break free of this tonight and I began to see all of this from my past uh, as I was doing these meditations that are really in the now moment, so that's why I can call this just so present and why it is such a clear memory and why I can really relive the experience just in this moment now because it is now, as I was doing this, I began to realize that the blessings are just above those fibers, those things that hold us in bondage here. And we just have to rise above them. We have to let go of our beliefs. We have to let go of our entanglements. We have to let go of our attachments into this world, into this creation, into this body, into these emotions, into this mind. We have to let go of all of that and rise up into the blessings that truly are and realize the blessings truly are and they're now. And that we do not have to beg for them. We don't have to pray for them. We don't have to be forgiven to get them. We do not have to do anything to be worthy of them. They are here. They are now. And they are for each of us to be in. So, as you meditate, even if you do not believe that you are loving the Lord, even if you do not feel anything, let that be okay. Say, Lord, I am loving you now. I love you, I love you, I love you. Do that by chaining the hue, by chaining the anti-hue, by chaining the names that you received in initiation. And let that be the statement. Every time you go, hue... In my consciousness, I'm saying, I love you, Lord. And then after doing that for a while, I become silent and let God chant the hue to me, which is God loving me. Not loving me, the body, but loving the God here that resides here. God is loving God. And we are here in the now to allow God to love God and to let God love God. So it's a full circle. It's a complete movement. And then we live in the movement, and we live in that, that river of love until we don't know, now am I loving God or is God loving me? But wait, God is here and God is here, and so which way is it going right now? You just start living in the loving, and it's all one and the same. There is no separation. There is no all of a sudden, well, now I'm loving God, now God's loving me. Now I'm loving God. God's now loving me. 
It's God loving God, God loving God, God loving God. So which direction is that happening when I'm saying that? It's right here. It's right now. Remember that this is the realm of time and space. So if we look at time and we look at space, time is now and space is here. So if we want to break free of time and space, we live in the now, we live in the here, and time and space does not exist. But if we live in the past, the future, the present, we live in this realm of time and space, and we are trapped. Live in the now, live in the here, and you are liberated. You are able to be in the spirit, love in the spirit, wake up into the spirit of knowing of who you are as spirit, and then you can get up with your eyes open, go do the rest of the day, and never know right where to be in that now moment. And in that now moment, you are in God. And it's just being right now that does it. I hope that makes some sense. It makes a lot of sense to me. And the thing I saw tonight was this. As souls rise up in the Spirit, and as they rise up to receive the blessings that are in Spirit for them, there is also this tearing of these bondage, bonds into the world that has held the soul here. And for some people, that tearing, that loosening of the bondage of the soul into the world can be disturbing, can be painful can be distracting from the inner focus because it means letting go of our attachments to the world, letting go of our parents, letting go of our animals, letting go of our loved ones. Not letting go and saying, oh, well, I don't need you anymore, but not being so attached to them that you're going to live for them first, that you're going to make them more important than you, that you can't live without them, but rather you are with them but you are no longer attached to them. You begin to find detachment. You begin to break those bonds into this creation. And you live free. But for some people, they want God, but then when they realize what, they, what takes place in the process of waking up into God, they struggle. Because they're ever grabbing a hold of the rope that just snapped free, and they grab back down here and they hold on to it. And then they reach back over here and they hold on to the other end because they don't want to lose that that they just broke free of. And so here they are. Now they're grabbing a hold of everything that they just broke free of. And they're going, I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming. I'm coming. But as long as they hold on to their attachments, they're not going to go very far. You've really got to let go of everything. You've got to be willing to let the world just drop away from you if that's what's going to happen. You may see friends turn away from you and go, well, I don't want to be with you anymore. You're no fun. You don't want to go out and have drinks. You don't want to gossip about people. You don't want to cuss. You don't want to do this. You just want to talk about God. You want to talk about your growth. You want to talk about your forgiveness. You want to talk about, this is, I'm tired of processing with you. Would you please leave me alone? Stop calling me. I've got to have another drink now because you called me. Well, that's what happens. 
we become an irritation to them because we are where they're not. And if we're not going to join them, they don't want us around. They aren't ready to grow yet. They aren't ready for this expansion into the self of truth. So let that be okay. And realize that there will be possibly a lot of people that would drop away, including family, including some of the closest friends you may have ever had. I have a, a friend who uh, had a cat. This was years and years ago now. And uh, her cat slept with her every night, every night. And whenever she came home, the cat just followed her around. I mean, it was just like a bond of love. And I don't know if the cat got depressed when she was gone at work, but you could really tell when she came home, that was it. Her, her life was fulfilled now. Well, she got on a spiritual path and began to meditate and began to, to discover more and more about her freedom and her liberation. And as she did, the cat wasn't so interested in her anymore. And she began to get concerned for the cat that something was wrong health-wise. And she took it to the vet and tried to do all this thing and change the food and tried to play with her more and all this. And the cat was just losing more and more interest in her. Until finally her spiritual teacher told her, don't you get it? The cat was attached to you and you were attached to the cat. And it was your attachment to the cat that kept the attachment coming back to you. Now that you are attached to God, and you're no longer attached to so much in the world, and you're not giving focus for all your loving to come from the cat, the cat's losing interest in you. It's losing its attachment to you as well. But let it be okay. The cat's going to learn something through this process and will move quickly in its evolution because of what it learns from you in this process. Now, isn't that amazing? And that's true. We don't only help ourselves, we help our family around us, we help our friends around us, we even help the animals that are with us in our lives. Because it says in the Bible, I, if I be lifted up, shall draw all men unto me. It means that if I raise myself up into a greater place in spirit, into a greater place of freedom and liberation, all that are around me are also lifted up whether they want to be or not. They are lifted up in frequency in some way because a blessing is extended out from you to those around you, your loved ones, and even your animals. And the animals are in a process of evolution. They are a process of evolving as all of this creation is evolving. But if you're on a spiritual path, you're no longer in evolution. You are on the straight and narrow path back home to God called liberation. And as you move on that liberated path and move straight up in, in the center of evolution, breaking free of it, you begin to draw all this to you and up a little bit. And so everything that is of evolution is also raised up a little bit around you. And you begin to help transform things in the world does that make sense? And even animals, you can help. You don't have to do a thing. You don't have to sit there and say, okay, well, let's now let's read some Hafiz, okay? And you get it? Do you understand what I'm talking about here? You know, you don't have to do that. 
All you have to do is live your loving, be your loving, be in the now, and let God live in you and through you. And even your animals will be raised up. And they will be allowed to move more quickly in their evolutionary cycle towards self-individualization and begin to move into soul awareness at a very minute level, but it's, it's a process that's quickened for them because of your influence in their existence. I hope that makes some sense. It's a wonderful thing to really witness. I've seen that with several. And that was what was happening with her cat. It was learning about detachment from her. And it was beginning to, to move into a different essence of its own self-awareness. It didn't get self-aware fully in that lifetime, but it was moving towards it. So, what am I trying to say here? Don't focus on the world. Don't focus on the things of this world that seem so important to you. Don't get caught up in the entanglements of relationship and the things of this world. But rather, stay focused to the center of your being, which is loving, which is God, which is truth. Allow yourself to become the living, loving essence of the Lord, that vapor that I discovered when I was experiencing this, where you can break free without breaking any bonds. You can just rise above them, rise through them, and go up into the living, loving essence of the Lord that you are here at the seat of the soul. And the moment you do that, the moment you do begin to wake up here and know yourself at this level, that's when the bonds of this world begin to drop away. But in truth, the bonds were broken the moment you began to sit down and chant the name of God, the moment you received the initiation, the moment you began to live those names inside of you, and those names were living and awakening the living of loving in you, that's when the bonds broke free. They were gone. Grace came in and destroyed them in that moment. But because you live caught up in this timeline, you think, well, it's going to take 10 years. I've got to still do 10 years of meditation. It's going to be 10 years of difficulty. It's going to be 10 years of earning God's love. It's going to be, well, okay, so it'll be 10 years. So you do the 10 years, and all of a sudden you wake up one day, and you're in soul, and you go, oh, my God, it did. It took 10 years. Well, it took 10 years because you believed it was going to take 10 years. The very moment you received initiation, you were awakened soul. And the bonds were shattered. But sometimes it takes us a while to realize it because we are still caught up on this timeline and the evolving of it, the movement of the timeline. Does that make sense? It's, it's an amazing thing to witness. So in truth, with initiation, you are free. Now you're waking up into that so that you can also be liberated. What did, in the Bible, in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, what did Lot tell his family as they left 
the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah. An angel told me to tell you, as we leave, and whatever you see, whatever you hear, do not look back. Do not look back. Keep going forward. Keep looking forward. And, and do not look back. That's what we are told. We are leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed. The bonds are broken. Do not look back to them. Do not look back. Keep going forward. Go forward in your meditation. Go forward in the moment of the now each day. Go forward, go forward. Do not look back because you'll turn into a pillar of salt. The twine will wrap around you once again and try to entrap you and make you believe this is true and that what you've been believing is false. And all you have to do is stay caught up in this world and you'll be happy. Don't look back. Ever look forward. Look to God. Look to the source. Look to your own soul. And you will wake up into the knowing that truly you are free. They were free because they looked forward. And they kept moving forward through those gates. Straight is the way and narrow is the gate. And few there are that enter in. Well, it was Lot and his family, just maybe ten people, that walked through the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah and were free and liberated. The rest, however many thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, however big that city was, remained behind the gate and they remained in destruction. Walk through those gates. Get through that gate. Be liberated. Wake up into the liberation and know it. It's a wonderful thing to keep in your mind. Don't be Lot's wife. Even if you're a man, don't be Lot's wife. <laughs> don't turn back and become a pillar of salt. But if you do, just be aware that a deer or a cow or somebody's going to come up and lick you and really enjoy that you became a pillar of salt. Or somebody might even come up and just kind of take off your hand and use it to flavor a roast or something. Who knows? And let that be okay. You return back to the essence of the world and once again have to live through it until it's done. Well, I say that because I've witnessed those things. I've witnessed people turn back into the pillar of salt. I've seen them once again just be absorbed back into the cycles of evolution, the cycles of this creation. And just as salt is reused and reused and reused throughout all of creation. But one thing that's wonderful is salt is ever returning back to its own self, salt. And you, soul, is returning back to itself. Just allow that process to take place. So, in this sharing, are there any questions that might come up in your mind right now or in your soul right now that you would like to ask or is there anything you would like to share? You want to bring the mic over to...
You want to raise your hand again, Jane? Jane, rather. I've got to get back in my mind. <laughs> but I'm up here, it's all the same, and I'm kind of looking at her going, God, what does she look like physically? <laughs> it is so funny sometimes. Yes. Uh-huh. How did I look like up there? We, we all are one and the same in God. There's always the one face, the one essence, the one loving. It's just the divine face of God. Uh, would you expand uh, on your phrase, uh, living the names of God? Well, when you are initiated, you get the... Uh, five names which make up really in truth the one name of the Lord, one name of God. At first we're just chanting them. And they really do not mean anything to us. But we know that they're important. We know they're to be kept silent. We know that somehow if we just keep our focus there that they're going to take us into something more wonderful. Over time, we begin to wake up into that living love that we are. And we realize that that name of the Lord is the living love. And that the name that we've been chanting isn't really the living love, but it is a a vehicle, a focus, by which we connect into that river of love, which is the audible life stream, which is the path of sound and light, that movement of God's loving. And so, as we focus on those names, eventually we merge into those names which is where we become one with the audible life stream or the sound and light and then we are the living name we become one in the living name and and then it's just for us to continue living in that name and let ourselves then follow wherever that name takes us for our fulfillment does that answer that thank you mm-hmm. I think Bill had a question. Could you take the mic over to Bill? We don't have a runner tonight, Chase, so. <laughs> um, I, I was just going to share that uh, journaling after meditation has been a key to um, opening up my experiences more and more. And recently, uh, as I was journaling, the word blessings came up. Um, I wrote it down and just had this really neat <laughs> experience of something pouring down on me or my expanding into something greater. And it was just by simply writing that word down. That's how it works. Laura? I'll just take over back here. I got a question. Um, Before I was initiated by you, and there was, I had so much longing, it was just, it was a lot easier to um, to sit, and I was having experiences. And now it's like, you know, I do bribery, I do anything I can, you know, to, but but it's like it's like nothing is happening. Like, what is going on? It's, I rather, I mean, it was more fun when it was the longing was like, (laughs) okay, now we're here. Now what, you know? So describe to me the longing. 
I initially, I just want to cry. I mean, it's just, I guess I forgot what it was till just now. That's the loving. That's God loving you. And that's God longing you home. Just remember that. That is right there for you. For whatever reason, you focused away from it, believing that now you're to focus on something else or something else is supposed to be happening. It's just about the longing. The longing is really God loving you. And it's what we long to experience and to know. But it also creates in us a longing to go home, to return from which we came. So remember that. Remember the essence of that longing. That's the loving. Focus back into that in your meditation, and you will have the experience of the longing. The longing is the most wonderful thing that can happen. It's, it's, if for people that have not experienced the longing, then it is something that seems, you know, why? Why do you want to go into longing? Why do you want to long for something? You know, I long for a car. I long for a mate. I long for money. Why do you want to long for anything? But the longing that you're describing and wanting and knowing, that is God loving you. Thank you. Yeah. Someone else had their hand up? Seal? Did you have your hand up? No. Well, it's pointing at you, so <laughs> I didn't see it, so. Were you hearing the sound when you were watching the bonds loosening? Yes. What were you hearing? Well, it's the sound current. It's a lot of different tones. I know. What, what, but was it the bells? Was it flute? You I can't say exactly what sounds I was hearing now. I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure. I just know that I was focusing on loving God and being aware of the bonds breaking. Um, that doesn't come present for me, so I can't say this is what I heard. Yeah. I'm reading one of those books from Sunmont? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the master says that you really need to listen for the bell sound to go up. The bell is the sound of the soul calling us home, calling us here to the seat of the soul. So oftentimes the bell can be one of the first sounds that we hear. For me, the first sound I heard was a whirring generator. Just it would just build, and then all of a sudden, like that. And then I, I was out. And then I began to hear the sounds. Uh, for other people, they focus here. They begin to see a light, that inner light of the divine within them. They begin to hear a sound. And oftentimes, the first sound they hear on the right side or in the front will be the bell. And that's their own soul calling them to wake up, to wake up, come home, come home. Yes. And if you hear a sound, it's only spirit letting you know you're waking up. If you try to make it happen or if you only look for one particular sound, you may hold yourself back. So don't get caught up in one thing. I just want to say that. Because if you just focus on God and say, God, I'm open, then God's going to bring you into whatever experience is going to be perfect for you in that moment. 
Because if you think about like music, there's a scale of all these different notes. Well, that's true with God. What if in order to hear the bell, you've got to go through all these other sounds in order to really wake up to the bell? So it's just important to be open to whatever's going to unfold for you in any given moment. And if you're open to that, then you can hear the bell. You can hear all these other things too because there's a lot to hear. So the bell is a key one because it is the awakening into the soul. So it's good to remember that. And the reason why a lot of the spiritual teachers even share the particular sounds is to help you understand that as you experience those sounds, it's to help you come into that understanding inside of yourself and knowing of what that is and to what you're awakening to. Because sometimes we can have experience, but we may not have the understanding of that experience, so yet some part of us is still unconscious to what this is, even though we've had the experience. So sometimes when we hear through the spiritual teacher what that sound is and what that means, it helps us to come into the understanding. And that's the understanding that surpasses, what is it, the peace that surpasses understanding? But the understanding I'm talking about is the understanding that surpasses the mental intellectual knowing, is what I'm trying to say. So those are all markers just for your knowing so that you inside of yourself will have the conviction of that truth to begin to really know to trust your own experience. And that's to me the great value in being shared the information. Then it supports you rather than gets in the way. So it's just important to keep that in mind in any of these things that we talk about. So I just wanted to say that so it doesn't become a block to you or anybody else. You know, the Founding Fathers, when they created this nation, you know, the whole Liberty Bell? Well, guess what the Liberty Bell was the outer reflection of? The Founding Fathers were ones who walked the spiritual path. And that Liberty Bell was an outer reflection, the sound of the soul, the Bell of Liberty. So level is liberation. And so they were, in a way, expressing that inner into the outer to begin to help the consciousness awaken. And so that some of these things that have been created in this world are outer reflections of an inner truth. And when you begin to realize the history, it can begin to awaken the greater truth within us. So that way we don't get attached to the actual outer thing, but we can just let it awaken. And then as it does, we have the inner knowing of what that's all about. And that's just part of the way it works in this world to really move into that liberation in spirit. Also, if you go into meditation with expectation, uh, I've got to have it this way. I've got to see this. I've got to hear this. This is going to be my experience. We hold back the experience that's really there for us. And I remember years ago when I would meditate, and there was one time where I had this most profound, wonderful experience. And then for months, I would come back to my meditation, and I would try to regroup into the same place so I could have that same experience again and again. And the teachers would keep saying to me, stop it, Jim, go forward. Don't go back. Go forward. What's now? What's now? And I'd go, but that was so wonderful. I want it again. They'd go, it is now. Come forward and be in it and go further into it. And it took me three months, 90 days, until finally I gave up. I said, okay, it's not going to happen. I give up. It happened, and I went into the next moment of the now. 
into the next moment of the experience, and it just expanded. So don't go in with expectation of how it's supposed to be, light, sound, whatever. Just allow yourself to be in the moment of loving, and then let the loving take you into whatever's in the moment now. Yeah. Um, I have like two questions. It's on. No, it's on. Oh, it's on. Okay. <laughs> it must be my ears then. <laughs> um, I have two questions, and I think they're kind of connected, but I'm not sure. Okay. The first one is when you said during. Um, you're sharing that, that you said something to the effect of in the meditation and when you go into meditation you're saying I love you God hoping believing you know whatever you know but but not knowing mm -hmm. you know that your point was you got to a place of knowingness um, and in my mind at that point rather what came up for me at that point listening to that was why do I feel hypocritical when I say I love you, God? And then the answer came right away, you know, from the standpoint that, you know, it's, it's obviously a judgment that I hold mm. somewhere. Um, but then there's also an aspect of, of real disconnectedness about that. Does that make sense, mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I think my question is about the sense of disconnectedness and not the mental understanding that, there's some sort of judgment being held by me when I say I love you, God, and I feel hypocritical because I don't feel it. You know, so am I, I think I'll stop there and let you say something because I'm not sure I can add to that. So share with me a little bit more about the disconnect. Well, just disconnected only from the standpoint that, that when I say I love you, God, I'm here. I'm open. I'm your child. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm here to share my loving with you. It feels so foreign. Right. It feels very foreign to say that. You know. Because you are saying it in the mind. It's the mind saying it, and the mind's going, "I don't know that. I don't believe that. No, I'm of the world. What are you? What are you? What are you loving up there? What? What is that? I don't know what that is. Uh -huh. I, I, I know science. I know religion. I know politics. But I don't know God. I mean, I don't. I don't love God. I don't. No, that's not my essence. So, there is a sense of hypocrisy, in, in it, when we're saying it from the mind. But if we will begin to just allow that to be okay. Eventually, we will connect into that which is above the mind, where the loving resides, that is the Lord, and where the Lord and the loving is one. And we can truly love God, and God can love us, and we can be in the experience of that. But it may take time for us to rise into that. So I know when I was a child, I could connect and be in the loving with God instantly. But when I got into my teens, I began to find myself because my mind was becoming so much more active and the sensual nature was becoming so much more active, I was really getting bogged down in all these entanglements of the world. And I began to find that I would just be in my mind going, I love you, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. But I didn't know it. I didn't believe it. I didn't feel it. But I just knew because of my childhood and knew the connect that was there, I knew that if I just kept doing that and saying that, and being that, that eventually I would connect back into that which I knew as a child. And I did. And that was when I began to pull 
into the center, into that where I became like the vapor and could break free of all the bonds of this world once again. And then I knew that I loved God and I could share my loving with the Lord and the Lord could share the loving with me. And it was one. Okay, well, then the second part, I guess, goes towards the bonds part. But the other thing that I wanted to just say to that is that I really recognize the longing because I've, I've experienced that many times, you know, the longing of, of just sometimes it's so acute, you know, that you're just like, I just want to go home now. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to be home now. You know, I don't want to wait anymore. I just want to go home now. You know, so I, I, I can relate to that one a lot. But the, the bonds aspect. Let me say one thing. Okay. That is what I'm talking about. That longing is where you are in that moment in the loving with the Lord and the Lord is in the loving with you. That longing is the loving. That is the loving. So know that and reference back into that. Don't reference into the mind and try to be in the loving with God. Be in the longing and there you're in the loving. It's one and the same. See, the way that to me we use words like I love you or affirmations of any kind is to help direct the mind into the experience. But if you're already knowing how to get into the experience of longing, you're there, go with that. The words are simply a way to give direction, but we want to get beyond the words. So if, it, if you need to inside yourself say, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, to begin to focus into that, there will be a day, if you do that enough, that you'll move beyond the mental repetition and begin to actually believe what you're saying, and then that belief will now carry you into the experience of what that really is. And until then, it's always going to be a mental process. But it's valuable in that the more, it's like training the mind, just like we go to school and we learn something, but then when we actually apply what we learn and have the experience of what that is, it's a whole different thing. It's like we train for a career, but then we go do it and like, oh my God, this is way different than school. It's the same thing. This is like training the mind now, and it's the mind, it is. It is foreign because it's new. It's learning something new. But then in that learning, eventually, it begins to seep in through the different levels within you until all of a sudden it hits something and the door opens, and then all of a sudden you have the experience. So the idea is to not look at the words of there's magic in the words. There's not. You can say anything you want, but as long as what you say helps to bring you into the experience you're after, that's what matters. So if you can keep that in mind as you do these things, that's what's going to work for you. I remember when I started working with forgiveness, I, for two to three years, I would, you know, I was in this class, we were doing a two-year-long program, and I used to always say, I forgive myself, I forgive others, you know, I started doing it. I would, just like exactly what you're saying, it popped up inside me, I said, oh yeah, I remember working at it. It took me two or three years of just repetition. I said, well, I'll just do it. And it never worked for me. And then it was literally almost three years later, all of a sudden, like, well, what the heck, I'll try it again. And all of a sudden, something opened in me, and then I had the experience of what forgiveness is. And from that day forward, it just changed. I go, now I know what forgiveness is. But it took me three years of practicing the mental repetition of forgiving this, forgiving that, and doing all that inside until I actually had the experience. So once I had the experience, I go, now I know what it is. 
Now I know what forgiveness really is, and I realize then that I don't have to say I forgive you. I have learned that all I have to do is go into acceptance. When I found myself going to acceptance, I've automatically forgiven because I know what the experience of forgiveness is. And so now I just open up into the experience without even saying the words. Unless, of course, I just can't seem to open up, then I'll start to use the words to help me to begin to open up into that experience. So it's the experience you're after, and it doesn't matter what the words are. What matters is that you use words that help you to move into that experience until the day you have that. With respect to the aspect of, of breaking, of becoming smaller or, you know, breaking three of the bonds, however that manifests for any one of us, um, what do I, how do I want? <laughs> We're just so limiting sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I'm relating it to, I guess all I can say is that I can relate it to where I'm at, you know, physically, personally in my life right now. And I guess the point being is that um, I have a really bad job right now. It's really awful. I mean, beyond awful. It's, and, and so, and it's making me physically icky. I mean, all over, physically icky. <laughs> I mean, inside here, physically bad, bad, bad. Okay, so without getting, <laughs> without going into, into any further than that, <laughs> um, I, I wonder when we find ourselves in situations like that, you know, and, and we're questioning, is there learning here or, or is there, what is the learning and what is, what is the breaking free that's supposed to be happening here when all you want to do is just run away? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, is running away right or is running away wrong? Or is there, is there learning here or is the, what? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> There's no right or wrong in running away. And maybe if you change the wording of running away and just saying moving forward, yeah. moving towards rather than running away. So having a shift of perspective perhaps right. and, and using a, a different semantical, even I mean, for the mind's purpose. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you're making a judgment on something. I'm running away from this. And there's this part in the world that says, well, I shouldn't run away. I should stick it out and find out what this is about and learn the lesson and... It's got to be hard. Well, maybe not. Maybe the, the learning here is to just shift the belief system and realize I, I'm not running away from anything. I'm moving towards what's next. I am moving towards something now that's better for me. And that's what I'm going to do. Okay, so then, so then perhaps the learning in that is, is that I'll be okay if I do that, mm -hmm. as opposed to sticking with something that I know is so beyond horrible <laughs> that, that, you know, the thought of, of sticking with it even one more minute just makes me want to, like, commit suicide practically. No, I mean, well, I'm here, here's up. another thing to look at. Why are you sticking with it if it's that horrible? Exactly. Do you know why? I'm sorry? Do you know why? Why I'm sticking with it? Yeah. Oh, just, I mean... You know, survival issues. You know. You see, sometimes it's good to look at those, though. 
Because you see, my experience in, in life is that everything here is to teach us something, but it's not going to teach us until we're willing to look. So if you're willing to look, just like I just asked that question, if you're willing to ask yourself those questions and begin to look at what those are to find the answers in yourself, to me, that's where you begin to now confront all those things. And it's by looking at them that we learn. If we never look at it, we're never going to learn. So if you start to look at it, that's the first step, is just being willing to look. Because then you're not going to avoid and you're not letting fear run you. That's the first step, is being willing to look. So that now the conscious awareness of the teaching is in there. But then there's another step. And that's called, okay, now I'm willing to look, but now also I've got to be willing to love. So look and love. Be willing to look at it and then be willing to love it. And then another way we say that you, that you hear, like Jim just said, is let it be okay. Because when we can let things be okay, that's a demonstration of loving. Unconditional loving. No attachments. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with this. And there's nothing right with this either. It's just an experience that I'm experiencing in my life right now. And it's okay. So true loving, true loving really is okay, no matter what the experience is. So be willing to look and be willing to love. And as you do that, you'll begin to find your inner freedom. And when you begin to find your inner freedom, I'll guarantee your outer reflection will change. Automatic. Automatic. Do the inner work and the outer will change. I've gone from job to job to job, but yet to experience the same inner dynamic. When I finally addressed the inner dynamic, which is only like seven years ago or so, is when everything, when everything changed around all that for me. Because I really addressed it instead of running or avoiding it. And so, but it took me going from job to job a lot, thinking I needed to find the perfect career. And when I found it, I would know it. Not knowing it was, the perfection was inside. And so finally one day, one job I was in, I said, you know what? I'm going to just stick with this one no matter what until I can begin to get through whatever this is inside of me that keeps stopping me from moving forward or keeps me changing jobs. And that's, the, that's when it really changed for me because I was willing now to really look at the inner. And then it began to shift. And as soon as it did, then this opened up for me what I'm doing today. And it's just, so that was really my turning point was really addressing directly inside of myself. And that's when my life changed. And so I know that's true for any of us. And I'm sure some of you have probably good stories in here too in a similar way. That when you start really being willing to look at by questioning what is that inside and willing to look and love is when you'll start to really find your freedom. And it's okay to leave a job or relationship or whatever and go do something else. And if it's really a pattern for you to learn, it'll go with you. So you could go somewhere else and it'll be just as icky. But then it takes. sometimes we need to do that, though, to begin to realize, oh, it's not in the world, it's inside. We all will do that. We will. It's just the way process on this planet works. Until the day it happens when we finally realize it's not changing, I need to do something different. Just like I explained in my experience how that worked for me. So I'm just kind of giving you the heads up. If you're willing to look at it now, you could really change it quicker for the better. Sooner rather than later, in other words. And it doesn't have to be hard. Just like when I ask you, well, do you know why? 
you know, you don't even have to answer me. I was just giving you, trying to give you an example so that you begin now the journey to look inside of yourself. So I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. I was trying to give you something to work with so that you can begin to get the inner freedom and all that. And if you wanted to answer, that's fine with me too, but it's really for you inside of yourself to work with that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, um, I still am faced with a decision whether or not I want to keep going back to a place that makes me really phys physically feel bad. I mean, like, it keeps me up at night. I, I, I have physical pain in my body from it. It's, it's just, it basically, you know, sometimes can't. I mean, I can't. I can't do what they're asking me to do physically because there's there's not enough time. Well, sometimes the first step in looking at things is sometimes we need to take ourselves out of the areas so that we can really begin to look. You know, it's really make a choice. You're choosing to stay there right now, so you have to look and say, then why am I choosing to stay there? Am I choosing to stay there because I deserve to be in hell? Am I choosing to stay there because I like the money? Am I choosing to stay there? Why? And then look and see, okay, this is why I'm choosing to stay here. Is there some place else in the world that might be better that I can choose in that will still give me the same thing I'm choosing to stay here for, and I can find it over here, and it's a better environment, it's a better opportunity, it's just better. And then see if you can, whatever that is, maybe it's a better hell. Maybe there's just a better hell over here. Then choose a better hell or choose a better pay or choose a better place to, to, to be yourself in a career. We, we know somebody who just recently went through something like this where they said, that's it, I'm done with this job. They left not knowing what the next step was. Well, a week and a half or two weeks later, all of a sudden they were just offered a job out of the blue. They didn't even begin their search of what's next, and it just came to them. Because they were at the point where they knew, that's it, I'm done, I'm out of here. And they left, and it only took two weeks, and all of a sudden it just literally came to them. They didn't even go looking, it was just offered to them. And it was better pay, better, better co-workers, you know, just, it was better hours, just everything they wanted. And they, they didn't even do, like we have the abundance tapes with treasure mapping and, you know, making all these wonderful things of our ideal scenes. They didn't, they didn't really do that. It just, just unfolded because they addressed things differently. They did a lot of the inner work is what I'm saying. And so then their next experience, they didn't even program or try to move into. It just unfolded for them because of all the inner work they were doing. That's what I'm saying to do that first because that's where the change, when you really change that, then your outer experience will begin to change also. But you see... To me, that's the good news because when you feel the pressure and it's cooking and you're hurting and it's all icky, those sometimes can be the best things to really push us into what the next best thing is. Really. I remember, like I said, at this, the last job I had when I finally said, decided to stick it out for whatever it was to learn whatever was there for me, I remember sitting in my supervisor's office one day and I broke down crying, saying, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I sat there in their office for an hour, and then I finally, whatever the crying that was inside of me that was, I was having, that was the inner struggle, and I didn't even know what it was. But that day, I finally broke through it. And something inside of me relaxed, and I went, wow, 
And I just kept on going for the next half a year, and everything was like okay after that. And because I was willing now to finally confront, if you will, whatever this was inside of me that always I wanted to avoid, when I was finally willing to confront it is when it broke down. Just like Jim was saying, you know, you, did you notice the story where he's the vapor and he went up, but then he also had to come back down in? But then as he loved, did you, did you hear him say, did you guys hear him, like I heard say, that all those little bonds and strings began to break, to pop, to get destroyed? Because it's the loving that does that. He didn't do it. Anytime he had to struggle with it, they got tighter. Mm -hmm. But when he focused on the loving, then the loving dissolves them. The loving destroys it. The loving breaks it apart. And that's what this is about. When you do that, it'll automatically begin to break. See, so just go in and love everybody there and love the job. Yeah. <laughs> love all the misery. And they'll say, would you please leave? We just don't like you here. It's, it's just not working. Get out of here. You're fired. <laughs> I've had that happen, so I know how that works. <laughs> it's strange to be fired because you're so loving. <laughs> I think that's something that I, uh, let me rephrase, that is something that I intend to grow into. But I'm not sure that I'm there yet. I, in, on all, in all honesty, I'm not sure that I have the ability to go there and love all of them at this point. Well, I can love them. I can love the individuals. I can love who I, who I, the soul that I see in the individuals. I, I, what I'm having a hard time doing is loving the situation and how it's, uh, how it's constructed right now, and and what I'm being to ask what I'm being asked to do within the construct of the situation. That's what I'm having a hard time loving. <laughs> you know, I, I know an easy solution. When you're at work, sit down for a moment and know the longing. Move into the longing. Choose into the longing. Remember the longing. And let it come alive in you. That longing will pull you towards God and God toward you until you become one in the same. And as you hold in the longing, it can just be for a split second, the frequency of that longing will move through the place and it will transform your environment. And it will take you where you need to be next or it will transform the environment so that the environment now serves you and everybody else because the longing is the transformation. It is the grace by which the soul is liberated. So... Let that longing be the instrument by which you do live in the loving, you do live in the forgiveness, you do live in the transformation. It's really there to serve you on all levels. So let it do so. Well, thank you all very much. And we won't see you next week because we'll be away. Bill will be here. And so will Caper. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if Laura will be here, but Caper said he'd be here. And uh, uh, we'll be back the week following. So we'll see you then. Thank you all.